0: This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. According to latest reports, school district enrollments dived downward last year as parents began to consider their options. We know that some parents kept their children at home and they could have gone to kindergarten or first grade. They said, let's just delay a bit. So that's some of the story. and. Among teenagers, chronic absenteeism seems to have slipped into total departure from the school system, but other students left the district schools for homeschooling, private schools, and charters. The exact numbers are yet to be determined, but it appears that charter schools have expanded their enrollments by several hundred thousand, even when district schools were losing students. But the question comes up is why are these charters getting these enrollments? Do they have more money? Do they have better backing from rich supporters? Are they at a particular advantage? You hear that frequently and Congress seems to be worried about that because some members of Congress are talking about withholding federal aid uh, to charter schools. So to cast some light on this, there's a group uh, associated with the School Choice Demonstration Project at the University of Arkansas, which has dug into this question, and I'm delighted to have with me today uh, the senior author of the report that they have released, uh, Angela Dills, a professor at Western Carolina University in North Carolina. So Angela, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange.
1: Thank you for having me
0: well angela your report seeks to dispel three myths about charter schools on the finance side and uh so what are the three myths
1: great so the three myths we're trying to dispel are that funding for charter schools reflects the needs of their students and is equitable Uh, the second myth is that charter schools take money out of public education and away from instructing students and put them into the profits of, of um private sector management companies and that third is that charter schools receive more more non-public funding so to your point more charitable funding and other sources of non-public funding than do traditional public schools and because of that maybe they're not reliant on other public funding as much as traditional public schools are
0: so and you say all three of these are myths they're not realities they're false facts
1: all three of these are myths although uh the report goes through in more details there's some there's a little bit of truth and bits and pieces of it uh but but we can talk in more detail about uh, but the overarching view of the all three of these myths yes are are myths
0: well so first of all how much the nice thing about <laughs> your study is that you do go into detail but let me ask you what's School districts, are you talking about here, are you talking about the United States as a whole, or is it more specific than that.
1: Great. so we have data on eight on school districts in 18 metropolitan areas, they are a convenience sample, but they are geographically diverse school districts so from Atlanta to Little Rock to Phoenix and Los Angeles um, they're diverse in other ways but we're looking at detailed revenue and expenditure data from 18 metropolitan areas across the country.
0: Well, so people always worry that uh, when you pick 18 cities, (laughs) you pick the 18 cities you like. So why did you pick these 18 cities?
1: Uh, for a variety of reasons, some of them for uh, some of them is funder driven. Sometimes funders ask for specific cities to be included, but many of these cities are included um, because they have available data, because uh, they're large school districts. We have some of the largest school districts in the country, including New York City, um, and so we're covering a large fraction of publicly educated children in the United States, um, and and they are diverse in lots of ways. We have everything from metropolitan areas where traditional public schools are the dominant part of public education. They make up, you know, more than 90% of publicly educated students like Phoenix and Tulsa, but we have other metropolitan areas where charter schools are a much bigger part of the system as well. So there, I I understand the concern. It's a, it is a convenient sample after all, it'd be lovely to have everyone. Um, But we do look at, financial records from an interestingly diverse set of cities.
0: Well, one of the things about your study that I enjoyed particularly was that you have come up with some definitions of different kinds of school expenditure, uh, and you're not using the standard categories of the US Department of Education, which I've often found to be hard to put my arms around, but into some other useful categories. You have instructional, instructional support, operational leadership, other obligations. So let's just talk about the district schools in these 18 cities or metropolitan areas. What is the percentage in each of these categories?
1: Great, so for traditional public schools, actually, give me one second. Let me make sure I get the numbers right.
0: I've got them here. So I'm going to give you one of them while you're looking it up. Uh, 41% is being spent on instruction. 41%? I thought that's what schools did, that they (laughs) instruct kids. How how can you you spend only 41% on instruction?
1: So. Uh, and in part, like like any sort of categorization, it's going to take a little bit of. Um, we have to put some things in different categories, right? So expenditures on teachers and teachers' age are instruction. Um, there are there's another category that we look at, which is instructional support, um, which obviously even by its name is supporting instruction. So there are a lot of. Um, and even if we look at expenditures on leadership, so leadership makes up six and a half percent.
0: Let's take instructional support, 16 percent, 16 percent of district expenditures. Now, when I looked at that, it was sort of like, you know, guidance counselors and the nurse's office. And yeah. what's all in that category of instruction? Uh,
1: so the library guidance counselors, as you said, extracurricular student health. So the clinic. um Curriculum development, professional development, program management, school therapists, um, uh, similar professionals. So uh, you know, maybe not what we, we typically think of as instruction, although library, you know, certainly things like curriculum and library are supporting well, instruction, I, I definitely yes, think
0: but, that Money should go for these activities, but. Yes. You know, that's 16% is about, you know, a third of It's more than a third of what is spent on instruction. Yes. So this is something that I've often felt about school systems. If they got more people in the support the teacher stuff, then the teachers, you know, teachers, we need teachers. We need to reduce class size, but we we kept hiring more and more people who go into supposedly instruction, (laughs) but they end up somewhere else. So is is, yeah. is isn't this a isn't this an issue here? Yeah.
1: So I agree. I found the numbers quite surprising. Sort of how little, even if you added those up, right? We're still talking about less than half of per pupil spending in traditional public schools that's going to instruction and instructional support. Uh, actually, oh, so no, sorry, 56, I added it's wrong, just 57%, over just over half. Just uh, right. But certainly not what we expect, right?
0: Right, right. And then leadership, Are you 6%, that seems yep. more reasonable. You've got to have a principal, you've got to have a superintendent yep. and so forth. But what is this about operations? What are, What's 15% goes to operations? Uh, so
1: operations is running school buses, people, transportation, so food service, um, safety, maintenance. So it's your janitor and your cafeteria uh, and your school bus, things like that. Data processing, the business operations, all the support staff that go into you know, running a school district, for example.
0: And then you have other obligations. so Twenty-two percent. Right. So right. what's uh, what's that other? So obligation?
1: that's capital. It's debt service. It's retiree benefits. Um,
0: How about healthcare? Yeah. Is healthcare in that category, or do you put that under instruction?
1: health care so the benefits should be under instruction
0: benefits so, are under instruction mm-hmm. but, but unless, the there re,
1: unless they're retiree benefits right so 22
0: <laughs> is probably a hefty portion of this 22 percent is actually going to retirees right
1: so the retiree benefits are in the other obligations right and i would assume i i have the same ex- expectation as you do paul that yes a lot of that is to retirees
0: so, but now that I've really sort of uh, been critical of the districts, I have to see that uh, the charters don't look all that much different. Fifty-eight percent of their money is going yep. on instruction, and fifty-seven percent of the district is going on instruction. So, there, it's basically you can say charter schools are 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 not doing pretty much the same thing.
1: I think charter schools are are doing something very similar um, that. It, they're certainly not spending less on instruction, or so they're certainly not spending a lower fraction of their money on instruction. They're allocating their um, funding towards instruction a similar proportion. There's some differences across different types of charter schools, um, but it,
0: it. Yeah, but the yes, overall so. pattern. So really, it, it, the walk, the takeaway I got mm-hmm. from this is that there is there is some basic logic to what it is you have to pay for various things that's going to drive your expenditures and you're going to have to have buses to take the kids to school and you're going to have to have the nurse's office and the, you know, the the various ancillary positions so really there is sort of a charter schools are not changing the, the story very much on how they're making use of the money.
1: Well, and and we could take that either way, right? So I I take it from your comment that you'd like to see them changing it more in that they're allocating more resources to instruction. I'm not Um, not
0: saying what we should do. I'm just sort of saying it's this information that we don't usually have. We sort of have in our heads, the school districts are wasting all their money on this and that and the other. And the charter schools are running a very efficient operation and are teaching kids. I mean, that's sort of the school choice mantra but you don't see that particularly in the data that you've got here
1: right so what we see are charter schools spending slightly larger fractions of their spending on instruction and instructional support um that number might be a little bit or that percentage might be a little bit larger for independent charter schools than it ours is for those in networks but um they're similar
0: um yeah so then um Then, but then I saw 10% of the money at the charters is going for leadership and I can see uh, my just and 5% or 6% in the district. So they're spending about twice as much money on the top level staff. So this is one of the, one of the criticisms of charter schools that some people are making off with the money. And it could be, you know, all this money that we're the charter schools are demanding is going to pay the top level staff.
1: Right. So, this is a little bit of a challenge in comparing apples to apples, too, for public, traditional public schools and charter schools. So, uh, charter schools are spending a larger fraction of their money on leadership, but they're also getting significantly less money. Um, So, if they're facing a spending gap of, you know 30 40 percent depending even more in some school districts but they're having to hire principals in a competitive labor market right they're competing with traditional public schools to hire school leadership they have to pay competitive salaries uh, it's uh i'd have to do the math to get the exact numbers but i suspect they're not paying significantly more and in fact other research has shown that you know leaders school leaders in charter schools earn less on average than do school leaders in traditional public schools Um, Right, and every you know
0: there's a lot of independent charter schools that, you know, are on their own bottom and they have all of the responsibilities of running (laughs) the whole operation, which within a school district goes across a large number of schools. So there's more efficiencies that come from administering a large number of schools to a little school on its own, perhaps. Uh, but then you're also pointing out the charter schools have a lot less money because I've been dealing in Definitely. percentages here. But what is the difference between the charter and and the total amount of money that they're spending?
1: So it differs a lot by city. So in some cities, charter schools receive just a little bit less, maybe a few hundred dollars, in places like um, Memphis or Houston. In some cities, it's a it's a huge huge difference in how much less spending they're getting, trying to find percentage gaps for you. Um, But for example, in Camden, traditional um, charter schools are receiving something like $16,000 less than traditional public schools. So we see pretty significant gaps across almost all of the cities in our sample. Um, What's the overall average. about Typic-
0: 30, 10 less, 20%, 30%. More, no,
1: more like 30% less. So
0: 30, 30% yep. less. So about yep. a third less. Yep. Nearly a third less money overall being spent by the charter school. So you're saying that mm-hmm. somehow. Now, but then let's talk about the the about where the the size of the private contribution to it. What well, that's one of the <laughs> other interesting things in your study is that you showed that actually uh District schools get more money from the private sector than do charter schools, which is absolutely the opposite of what we're always told. But then you break this out, you break this out into different categories. So, what are the different kinds of ways you can get private money? uh, Whether you're a district or charter school, what are the different kinds of ways?
1: Great. So, we look at non public funding. through program fees which would be like paying a fee for a science lab or the band or football or something like that Um, enterprise income which might be like running a snack bar during a basketball game something like that Uh, investment income which is what it sounds like Uh, philanthropy which i think is the target of a lot of people's discussion so either um, grants from private philanthropy and then another category that um, is sort of less obviously That we're less able to identify into one of one of those four categories.
0: So the amazing thing here is that the districts charge students $920 a year per student on average in program fees. In program
1: fees as compared
0: to only $69 per student at charters. Can this really be true?
1: Well, so I think I think. I think yes, it could be true. I think in some places, pay to play is not uncommon. So uh, it's always a discussion. That uh, well, it's a discussion that happens in some locations as to, you know, whether you should have to be funding your own football uniform or, or instruments or travel for school trips and things like that. Um, so so yeah I think
0: it's possible so okay so well (laughs) actually yeah I played in the band and one of the reasons I ended up playing the French horn was because my family we didn't have that much money we were not the richest people in town by any means but my family were really committed to you know educating their children and especially in music so I, uh, my dad bought me a French horn and it cost $500 even back in those days, 500 bucks for a French horn is a lot of money. Uh, so um, yeah, they've been doing that for a long time, right? And right. you're saying that that's still going on and a lot of parents are, are, are having to pony up money for all kinds of activities, whether it's uh, on the football field or the drama club or wherever.
1: That number I thought was also surprised by. So the the figure for traditional public schools is $950 per pupil. And for charter schools, it's significantly less. It's $69 per pupil. On the other
0: side of that point, secondary education is a lot more expensive than elementary education. Mm -hmm. And a lot of charter schools are elementary schools. So maybe some of that difference is just the difference between elementary and high school.
1: Uh, That's possible. It's certainly, or it could be different choices in whether they run athletic teams or not. Uh, Certainly, for example, the charter schools in our area. um, Well, I'm trying to think if there's actually a high school. Um, The the middle schools have some sports teams, but they're, you know, they run a co-ed soccer team instead of both a girls and a boys team because they're relatively small. So even some of those athletic fees and things like that may be, less common because there's fewer students
0: well the flip side to that is the philanthropy side yeah. and so on the philanthropy side the charter schools are getting significantly more than the district schools as i read your report is that correct
1: yes they are um charter schools on average are getting 385 dollars in our sample from philanthropy whereas public schools, traditional public schools are getting $63. So it's a significant difference.
0: So there is some truth to that charge that the private schools are getting considerably more support from the philanthropic community than our district schools, at least in these 18 cities. <laughs>
1: it, it is certainly true that $385 is more than $63. But, three, <laughs> but $385 is not a very... Large number. It's not a yes.
0: So, (laughs) So how much is the total cost per student in the district sector and the charter sector? In the
1: charter school, so um, they're non-public. So, philanthropy is contributing about three hundred and eighty-five dollars of about fifteen thousand per pupil. So, pretty small fraction.
0: Pretty, yeah. That's that's less than one percent or something. It's yeah. So it's really de minimis actually yes. um and and then how much do the district schools get from all sources per pupil?
1: from all sources more on the order of about twenty uh, sorry twenty two thousand dollars
0: twenty two thousand. so there's a disparity yes. of about seven thousand dollars between what is being spent per pupil between right. the two sectors and 375 doesn't close that gap.
1: It doesn't even come close.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so there is, there is a myth out there. There is some truth to the myth, but the truth is like 1% of the myth.
1: Yes, it is. And we hear about the high profile donations, but uh, when it comes down to actually affecting per pupil spending, it's a drop in the bucket.
0: So, um, the federal government Mm -hmm. There's this effort to shut down. Tell me about this. You talk about this in your report. What is this effort by Congress to
1: Uh, stop funding?
0: How much funding are charter schools getting from the federal government?
1: In our sample, on average, about 7%. So a a little bit less than what traditional public schools do, but but, roughly in the ballpark um, is coming from federal funding. There was a bill, it's H.R. 4502, It was passed in the House last, so it's spring now, so it would have been like summer 2021. It appears to have gone nowhere in in the Senate, so I'm hoping that means it's it's not going anywhere. But the intent of the bill was to cut federal funding from for-profit charter schools. The language is a little bit vague, at least to charter school proponents i think the intent of the bill is to cut funding from charter schools that are managed by education management organizations which is what i think a lot of people think of as for profit schools but the language makes it sound like if you outsource your cafeteria that that might count too Right? so if you have any sort of for-profit services that are provided to the school that that might be uh, make you ineligible here for the federal funding as well
0: so um, if you did cut off federal funding to charters that would be a, that would be a big deal if seven percent of their revenue comes from that source but i doubt congress is going to do that in the current uh, milieu uh, there doesn't seem to be i doubt they're going to do much of anything in the current milieu. Uh, And this would be too controversial, I think. So what are your conclusions then? How would you sum it up?
1: I think a lot of people have a view that charter schools um, are getting the funding they need to educate the children they enroll uh, in an equitable way. They They are not. Charter schools receive significantly less funding than do traditional public schools. And um, the funding they receive is has very little to do with the needs of the children they enroll. They, they enroll, charter schools enroll significant fractions of low-income students. Um, so, you know, certainly they're enrolling children that look similar, if not exactly the same as traditional public schools, um, but they're educating them in, with significantly less money. Um, that is, money isn't padding private sector pockets for-profit schools don't look any different really than do not-for-profit schools um, and that we should be a little bit more thoughtful about how we're funding charter schools and um, think about ways to fund them more equitably
0: well the flip side of that is uh, it's argued that uh, uh, district schools have many more special ed students and they also no. have all these legacy costs all these uh, Retirees. So when you take that into account, there isn't that much difference. So how do you respond to that, that argument?
1: Uh so the the report just prior to this one from the school choice demonstration project focused ex- explicitly on special education. Um, it, it, it's tr- so traditional public schools, at least the one the the ones in our sample, about nine and a half percent of the students are on or have an IEP are special education students compared to about 13% in the traditional public schools. So it's true that traditional public schools enroll slightly more special education students, but charter schools do enroll them. Um, The legacy cost, I think, is a a, a persistent and I think probably growing concern for traditional public schools. I, I don't think it explains the gap either. I think in most cities, the funding that is going to um, instruction to everyday operation, not just to legacy expenses, but the the funding that's going to traditional public schools is still significantly more when we think at current expenditures, educating current students, um, compared to traditional compared to public charter schools.
0: Well, Angela, thank you very much for sharing the results of your report. I have been speaking with Angela Dills, a professor at Western Carolina University in North Carolina. She's the author of, a, or the senior author of, a recent study of the finances of district and charter schools in 18 states. You can find this study on the website of the School Choice Demonstration Project at the University of Arkansas. So thank you, Angela, for joining me today on the Education Exchange.
1: Thank you very much. Good to see you.
0: I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.